What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. This is another episode of Locked on Blazers. On the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. What I want to talk about in today's show is the Blazers' close and excruciating loss to the Phoenix Suns, what it means heading into the final game of the season Sunday against the Denver Nuggets. Then I want to talk about momentum. The Blazers are playing their best basketball, even despite this loss. Despite this loss. They lost by one, but despite this loss, they're playing their best basketball of the year right now. And I want to look at back at previous seasons and kind of gauge whether the Blazers have, when they have played well to close out the seasons, has it translated to postseason success? Has it translated to postseason struggles? Is there sort of any correlation between those two things? And then I want to close out the show talking about guys who are currently out of the rotation who could be contributors when uh, the Blazers get to the postseason. Right now, Terry Stotts is locked into playing eight guys, but when you get to the playoffs, sometimes matchups dictate you got to, you know, dust off different parts, use, use different parts, use different players in different matchups. So I want to talk about the guys who are, who are outside of the rotation and sort of rank who I think could be the biggest contributors once we do get into postseason basketball, be it the playoffs or the newfangled play-in game. And why we got to talk about the newfangled play-in game is because the Blazers had a chance on Wednesday evening, excuse me, Thursday evening. If they'd beaten the Phoenix Suns, They would have locked up no worse than the sixth seed. No worse, which means they wouldn't have been in the play-in game. Uh, They would have put themselves in the position if they had won on Sunday that they would have be the fifth seed in the West. Now they're very unlikely to get fifth. I mean, Dallas Dallas just has too easy of a schedule uh, to think that they're going to drop down to fifth. uh, Drop out of fifth, rather. And and so it's really going to come down to Sunday. One night only. In fact, hold on. Let me. I can't. I can't say one night only without thinking of this. Let me play you what's in my brain right now. One night only. One night only. One night only at the Springfield Speedway this Saturday. If you miss this, you'd better be dead or in jail. And if you're in jail, break out. Be there. Be there. Be there. That's right. If you're in jail, break out because Sunday's game against the Denver Nuggets is a really, really, really important one. It's the biggest game of the year. I know I've said that about the Blazers' last three games, but I've also given the caveat that that's how it works. Each game is successively more important than the next when you get to this time of the season. But the Blazers lost a really excruciating one to put themselves in this one-night-only, one-night-only situation uh, where they're going to play the Denver Nuggets on when on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, to, to decide their fate. Uh, they... They didn't have this game, and then they did have this game, and then they didn't have this game at the very end. Um, Damian Lord was magnificent. He was he was just fantastic in the fourth quarter. He had a quiet third quarter, and then you knew he was going to at least try to put his imprint on the game. You know, maybe you question whether he was going to do it or not, but you knew he was going to give it his all. And all he did was make his first seven shots in the fourth quarter and just had a monster, a absolutely monster quarter. He had 24 in the fourth on nine for ten, sh- uh, nine of ten shooting, and uh, the one he missed was uh, when the Blazers were just trying to not run out the clock, but trying to run down the clock uh, with about under 10 seconds left. He launched a deep, a deep three, and the Blazers ended up getting the ball back after it anyway, so it didn't even matter. Uh, in case, in case you did miss the game, or in case you're, you're pining for a final recap. Uh, 
Dame scores his uh, 24th point of the quarter. He finished with 43. Uh, so put the Blazers up three with 35 seconds left. Uh, Suns hit two free throws with 32 seconds left. They go quick out of a timeout. And the Blazers get the ball with 32 seconds left. They run the clock down basically as long as you can possibly go. Dame launches a deep three, comes off of a, comes to a long rebound, and Devin Booker, uh, you know, tracks it down and tries to race the other way. And Carmelo Anthony steps in his path and he travels. He tried to do a spin move, but he didn't dribble on the spin move. Double dribble, just ridiculous. Blazers take a timeout, uh, and on the ensuing inbound play, they get the ball into Robert Covington. He misses both free throws. The, uh, the Suns come the other way and Devin Booker draws a foul, uh, on Norman Powell. Norman Powell hit him on the elbow. It was a pretty light foul call. Um, you don't always see them call that foul, but as soon as they did call it, you knew even on the replay review and Terry Stotts challenged the play, he had saved his challenge like a smart coach until the final two in the final two seconds. Um, they called the foul. They reviewed it. They called the foul. He he challenged it because there's 0.9 seconds on the clock. When he after he he after he challenged it, they put 2.4 back. He said after the game that if it had been 2.4, he probably wouldn't have challenged it. But because there was 0.9 seconds left, he just he had to use it. And I I agree with that. You have to make that decision with under a second left. You just you're just not gonna you just got to give yourself a chance. And at that point, that's sort of maximizing your chances to win. They reviewed it, called the foul. Booker hits both. Blazers don't get a shot off at the with. Uh, two and a half seconds left having to go the length of the floor because they were out of timeouts and they lose. Um, I don't think we need to really dive deeper into this game. It's it's more about the, like they played pretty well. The Suns did not have DeAndre Ayton. Blazers played pretty well in this game. Dame was magnificent and it came down to uh, a couple missed free throws. Darius Sharich left the door open for the Blazers when he missed three of four free throws late in this game, but the Blazers had a chance to win it. They did everything you need to do to win a basketball game and Robert Covington missed a couple free throws. That's uh, they got a tough whistle at the end, but you know if 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 Rocco hits one of two there, it's um, you know we're in overtime and and Dame is the best player on the court. It's just um, sometimes it's like that. I don't think this takes away from the way the Blazers are playing. The Suns are a good team. This was the second night of back a tough game, and the Blazers were pretty darn good. They didn't get much from the bench. Um, the bench only had 14 total points in this one. Melo one for seven from the floor, but. Their starters were really good. Dame played the whole second half. They went for it because this was going to be the game. This was going to um, allow them to avoid avoid the play-in tournament. And now Sunday becomes a must-win. Uh, the play-in tournament is just, or the play-in round, I should say, because it's not really a tournament. Um, it's just, it's too many variables. We've said it a million times. I'll say it again here. It's just too many variables. Uh, I think the Suns seem like a really um, enticing playoff matchup if the Blazers could guarantee themselves seventh, but they can't because they'll have to play a single elimination game, either against the, the Memphis Grizzlies or the Warriors and probably the Warriors. And then if they don't win that, they're, they're, battling you know a single elimination game just to get into the playoffs playing tournament means you might not make it you're um you know you basically have like a a, a coin flip um of uh, of getting in uh, you know they would have home court advantage so maybe it's a little better than that maybe it's like a maybe it's like a 65 percent chance of making playoffs or maybe if they have home court advantage twice like 75 percent of making the making the playoffs but still it's too many variables you win sunday there's no variables you're in you're in you're a hundred percent in so it comes down to that one night only, one night only, one night only. Don't miss it. One night only. One night only. One night only at the Springfield Speedway this Saturday. And if you miss this, you'd better be dead or in jail. And if you're in jail, break out. Be there. 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 Be there Sunday. Uh, 
it's I don't think it's it's like it's not determined, I guess. There's there's still a chance the Blazers can um they could get some help, but Dallas closes against Toronto, who's who's out of playoff contention and is missing its key parts, and then at Minnesota on Sunday. The Lakers at Indianapolis, or at Indiana, excuse me, in, in Indianapolis, and then at New Orleans. New Orleans is, is resting their guys. Their season is done as well. Um, so, you know, the, the both of those teams are likely to win both their games. Um the Blazers are very, you know, basically they would need they need help from Dallas to get fit. They're very unlikely to get that help. Um, they would they they still control their destiny to avoid the play in. Looks like they're headed for, to play the Los Angeles Clippers if they win. Uh, if they don't win, we'll we'll obviously cover that and talk about all the all the things that could happen. But it's um, this is this is where they're at now. It's it's Sunday to decide it. Uh, and and frankly. Sounds like a lot of fun. These games have been fun. This week has been fun. They've played, you know, they played Phoenix really well. They played really well against the Jazz. Uh, they just lost a weird coin flip game here at the end where they got, you know, missed a couple free throws and got an unlucky whistle. So, you know, I, I wouldn't take much away from in this game. I know that it stings. Like, as a fan, that's just a crappy way to lose. That's a brutal, brutal way to lose. But I don't think they're playing. I I, I don't I don't knock them too hard for that loss. I mean, I've I understand that if you're frustrated, but um, this doesn't take away from sort of the level they're playing at. They played a really good game on on Thursday evening. They just they it didn't it didn't end the way they wanted it to. But let's let's talk about momentum. They're playing well. I want to talk about in the second segment is um, the Blazers have had a history of closing season strong, and I want to look back at the last five years and kind of walk through what whether that has translated to playoff success typically. But before we get there. We got to talk about bet online. Look, it's just it's just the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, WNBA kicked off tonight, so so if you want to get in on betting on the W, now's the time to do it. I think Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart are going to lead the Pacific Northwest's own Seattle Storm to a second straight title. Get some juicy odds right there on bet online. You can also bet on NBA games coming down the stretch, NHL. Uh, Baseball games all day long and all evening long too. Fighting sports, horse racing, you name it, it's on there too. Uh, you know, reality television shows, award shows, everything is available for you. Uh, so head on over to Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on this action. Head on over to the website, BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On, and you will get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on. The website is betonline.ag, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So we talked about the Blazers' tough loss in Phoenix. A game they just lost at the buzzer. They played really well against a good team, second night of a back to back on the road. Um, Okay to be mad, but I don't. I, I think they played well, and it continues a trend of them playing well. What I want to talk about here in this segment is the idea of momentum. Uh, the Blazers are undeniably playing their best basketball of the year over the past month. Uh, it's. It's. I, I mean, I, I don't even think there's much to debate there. You've seen it. I've seen it. The numbers suggest it. This is the best they've played over the last month, and. What I want to explore here is does playing well now to close the regular season, has it typically translated to postseason success? So I've looked back at the last five years the Blazers closed to the regular season, what they've done and what it's led to in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, if you're a fan of this team, you kind of know what it's led to in the playoffs. But I think revisiting what they've done uh, in each of the last five seasons gives you a sense of like whether momentum in the regular season exists, whether it helps. I mean, it's 
I'm not a believer in momentum. Let me just, let me put that out here. I don't think making a shot on Tuesday makes you more likely to make a shot on Thursday. I believe in confidence. I think you can build good habits. I think uh, you start to play the right way. You can figure out how to continue to play the right way. I just don't think playing well in game one makes you play better in game two. I, I don't think it carries over that way. I'm not sure. I think that what you're seeing there is confidence, not uh, not momentum leading to competence. Um Plenty of people within the in the NBA world probably believe in momentum. Certainly, Damian Lillard among them. So they will tell me I'm stupid, but it's a thing that I, it's a thing I don't believe in. But uh, but I think it's worth. I think it's worth considering sort of what how the Blazers have fared in past regular seasons and what that means for uh, what is meant for their postseason success. So let's let's get back in the time machine and go all the way back to 2016. This is pre-Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, the Blazers were not supposed to be as good as they were, and they really took off. And part of it included a 9-2 end of the season. They won nine of their final 11 games and went into the playoffs with as a in the 4-5 matchup as a 44-win team kind of out of nowhere. What did that get them? Well, it got them the fifth seed, and they had to play the Clippers in L.A. For, to begin the playoffs. And they lost those first two games. Start 0-2 against the Clippers, and then they won the last four. Uh, you know, Blazers won Game 3 in Portland, and then in Game 4, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul got hurt. You remember how it ended. Um, you know, Blazers win the final four games of the series and reach Round 2. But winning nine of their final 11 games to close the year put them in that position. They were playing better basketball towards the end of the season. Uh, they had struggled until basically the middle of January that year, and then they closed the year strong on that 9-2 that run to close the year. And... While maybe it didn't lead to like immediate momentum as they dropped the first two games of the season, it did lead to some playoff success. You know, they beat the Clippers. They took a game off the Warriors that year, and they played the Warriors pretty tough, quite frankly. Uh, it was a five-game series, but it was it was a competitive one. Uh, the Warriors slightly shorthanded to begin that season. But but I, I think, you know, they played well at the end of the year, put themselves in a good position, and played well in the playoffs. You could argue that playing, you know, obviously playing your best basketball to close the season translated to some success, or at least led to some success in the playoffs. And in any case, it certainly that run in 2016 has had profound impacts on what happened with the uh with the team from there on out, right? You know, it it changed the direction of the franchise pretty dramatically considering what happened uh in the summer of 20 of that following summer, the summer of 2016. The following season in 2017, uh, after February, once the calendar season turned, once the calendar turned over to March, the Blazers closed the year 16 and five. Uh, they really closed the year at 17 and six, but they didn't play their guys in the last two games. Like Dame and CJ both sat out the final two games. The Blazers went one and one, so we'll, we'll ignore those final two games. 16 and five after February, um, and what did that get you? Well, Yusuf Nurkic had come on board. The Blazers had been well under 500, and and Nurk helped save that season with that 16-5 push, and they ended up finishing 41 and 41 and getting swept out of the playoffs by Golden State. This would be either the argument that playing well at the end of the year doesn't matter, or that they were playing a historically good team. The 2017 <laughs> Golden State Warriors, uh, you may recall, added some pretty good parts the fa- the previous summer. So, um, while I think this is an argument that maybe suggests uh, that playing well at the end of the year doesn't matter, I think what it really means is like who you play in the playoffs really matters. The following year, in 2018, the Blazers, um, you know, they they they'd now been dispatched by the Warriors, um, the almost champions and then champions in back-to-back playoffs. And they got hot. 
They got hot late in the season. From March, or excuse me, from February 14th to March 18th, they won 13 consecutive games. Uh, came out after the All-Star break, just were playing their absolute best basketball. Looked, you know, just looked really, really good. Legitimately very, very good. But then to close that year, Final 13 games, after that 13-game winning streak, they finished 6-7, and seven, including a four-game losing streak on the road against Western Conference teams. Like this, There was some indications that this team wasn't actually as strong as, as you wanted them to be. Um, you know, there's some, there's some health details and stuff that we won't get into, but pretty much the crew was ready, and they, and they limped out of the regular season at 6-7 and seven and hit the playoffs. And what happened to the playoffs? Well, they got swept out of the, swept right on out of there by the New Orleans Pelicans. I think this is the argument that actually suggests that playing poorly at the end of the season didn't translate to wins. Like if, if you know, you look at, the, you think about that 13-game winning streak and you say, oh, they put it all together. But really, to close the year, they just weren't playing their best basketball. Like they were, you know, they finished third and they were, that was a talented team in 2018, but you know, bad matchup and all that, but they weren't, they were not playing super well to close the year. And then it looks like it in the playoffs. I think this maybe is another one of those arguments that momentum in the regular season does, it does sort of exist or it does matter. Playing your best basketball matters. In 2019, adding some fuel to this momentum fire. The Blazers closed the year 14-3, and winning 14 of their final 17 games, including a league-altering accidental win in Game 82, in which the Blazers almost certainly tried to lose to the Sacramento Kings, but Anthony Simons and company just would not let them a night. The Blazers only played six guys and came back from a 28-point deficit to beat the Kings, which gave them the three-seed, whoops, in a first-round matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Blazers... You know, won that one in five, beat the Nuggets in round two in seven games, made the Western Conference Finals, 14 wins in their final 17 games of the regular season, playing their best basketball down the stretch, and it led to a Western Conference Finals run. Maybe momentum does exist, right? Let's go to 2020, where the Blazers closed the bu- bubble campaign. This was, you know, season suspended in March. You come back in Disney World, play in this, in the uh, hermetically sealed Disney bubble, and get get that Mickey chase that Mickey Mouse championship. The Blazers won seven of their nine games in the bubble prior to the playoffs. That's uh, six and two in eight uh, restart games, and then beating the Memphis Grizzlies in the first of a double elimination playoff set to secure the spot in the playoffs. What did they earn for their troubles there and for their excellent play in the bubble? Well, they got to play five games against the eventual champion, Los Angeles Lakers. They won game one and then got smoked pretty much from then on out in in the final four games of the series. Damian Lillard didn't even play in game five after an injury, and they got sent home quick by, again, the team that would go on to win the championship. So what does this all mean looking back at the uh, final five, final f- or last, excuse me, previous five seasons of the Blazers' um, success at the end of the year? I think what it means is this. Typically, the Blazers have been good at the end of the season. You know, 9-2, and 16-5, 14-3, and 7-2. The one year that they weren't good, 6-7, and seven, they got swept out of the playoffs by a lower seed. A pretty embarrassing 2018 run that um, could have had major ramifications, but instead the Blazers tried to run it back and they ran it all the way back to the Western Conference Finals. I think what this suggests is that 
maybe momentum doesn't exist because you know you go 16 and 5 to close the 2017 regular season and then you play a really good team in Golden State and get sent the hell home you play your best basketball of the year in the bubble and maybe expend more energy than you wanted to but you play this really really good Laker team and then you get sent home quickly and when the Blazers have had more favorable matchups like Oklahoma City in the first round or a Clippers team that was probably on par with the Blazers maybe slightly better probably better uh overall talent wise but then injured and and fragile and didn't have the depth to kind of make up for it who has depth to make up for two for losing two all-stars but um I think what what this really suggests is that the Blazers have typically played well at the end of the season uh sometimes that has translated to success in the playoffs sometimes it hasn't I don't I'm not arguing that like these games don't matter. Obviously, the Blazers need to win these these games, uh, you know, win their final game in 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 Denver to get where they want to go, or against Denver to get where they want to go, and 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 playing well at this time of the year matters. That's that's not the argument I'm making. I guess what I'm the point I'm trying to illustrate here is that the Blazers have typically played well at the end of the season, and there's been mixed results. Uh, I don't think momentum carries over because it's too matchup based in the playoffs. But there is no argument to play poorly. <laughs> the one time the Blazers have closed the year poorly, they have um, it's translated to a loss in the playoffs when maybe they were a little bit exposed at the end of the season as as not quite one of the elite teams and then when they played a, a, a pretty darn good team they didn't match up well against they got smacked so there's no argument to like it doesn't matter there's no argument that suggests that these these games at the end of the year matter you want to be playing your best basketball you always want to win that's the whole point of the stupid sport but but i think more than you want to be playing the right way. You want to build confidence. You want to build good habits. But but more than that, you just it's going to matter who you play in the playoffs. And I think I think that's the real lesson here. Uh, the Blazers are building good habits. Uh, they they're playing their best basketball. I don't. I, I think that's I think that's just true. You know. I don't think you can argue that they've they've looked any better uh, this year than than they have this last month. Like they just they look like a good team again. And. That might translate to the, to wins in the playoffs as it has in previous seasons, and it might not. I think the the lesson here is that um, it's better to win than to lose. But getting the matchup you want in the playoffs is really the most paramount thing to uh, to or getting a favorable matchup. Maybe not the one you want. You can't always control that. Getting a favorable matchup in the playoffs is the most important thing. All right, let's come back in the third segment, and I want to talk about some players who are currently outside of the Blazers' rotation who could have the biggest impact. When the playoffs start, which players who are not playing now could get their number called in the postseason and really make a major impact? So that's what we'll do in the third segment. But before we get there, let's talk about Bill Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. That's what it is. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. You can choose from nine delicious flavors if you hit up BuiltBar.com right now, including some uh, occasional limited time flavors. So make sure you're checking the website for for some short timers that might be on there. And they've got uh, varieties for, for all of your potential taste preferences. Coconut and coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's really something for everyone. But if you don't know what kind of Built Bar person you are, here's what I recommend you do. You get a mixed box. Uh, go on their website, order the mixed box. You get two of each of the nine flavors I just listed. You can try them all, figure out what you like, figure out who else in your family likes what, and then order more of those. Uh, Bill Bars are great. I mean, they, they just are. I, I, I've told you this a bunch. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you've heard me uh, prom- promote the deliciousness of Bill Bar. and ain't nothing changed. All of them have at least 17 grams of protein, and and nearly every one of them has only 4 grams of net carbs. Some of them have 5 grams of net carbs if you really want to get nitpicky, but 
the good and good for you. Uh, listen, nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go track yourself some down today. And to do that, just track on over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the Blazers' close loss to the Suns. We talked about the idea of momentum and the sort of the Blazers' history of playing well at the end of the season and whether it's kind of translated to wins or not. Sometimes I think it's uh, like I think we've determined that it's mostly based on opponents, which that's going to matter this year, too. But what I want to talk about now is the guys who are currently outside of the playing rotation, who are not playing each night, picking up those nice DNPCDs, did not play coach's decision, who might have an impact when uh, the playoffs come. The playoffs are matchup specific. Uh, they're they're you know you can you kind of have to dig in and find things that work. And Stotts, as stubborn and as um, kind of fixed in his ways as he is, has shown a willingness to do this during the Blazers Western Conference fin- Finals playoff run in 2019. He mixed and matched. Uh, Evan Turner hadn't played for two months, and he came in and played games six and seven. Was crucial in the game against uh, in, the, in the final two games against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Zach Collins had kind of been on ice since the team had added Dennis Cantor, and then after injuries created um, a situation where Zach needed to play, he cu- he started. Started to get more and serious minutes uh, against the Golden State Warriors when it was, and he was, and Dots for his credit was a little slow to do this when it was clear that Myers Leonard was the best choice at center. He rolled with Myers Leonard in the final game of that series, and and My, and Myers just put up 25 in the first half of the final game of that series. I mean. He, he, even as stubborn as he is, he's been willing to, you know, he's an NBA coach. He realizes that it's sometimes you have to make, you have to make um, rotational changes because the matchup demands rotational changes. So I want to talk about sort of the guys who are outside of the rotation who I could see making a major impact. And with all due respect to Harry Giles and TJ Leaf and Kelgen Blevins and, and CJ Ellaby, those dudes are not going to factor into this. We're really talking about three people, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Nazir Little, and Derek Jones Jr. Uh... I think it's it's somewhat curious because all of those guys are are like, you know, rangy, long athletes who can play three and four. And Ronnie Hells Jefferson has shown some proficiency to play small ball five. Um, so you're talking about like relatively similar players in terms of like um, – build but it's like who there are some decisions where you make like so who who could be more impactful against what um i think if the blazers end up playing against uh the los angeles clippers then you will need to at some point maybe give some consideration to putting Derek jones jr on paul george uh, the Blazers are going to need length on Paul George. They're going to need um, Paul George isn't so, so physically imposing that he's just going to you know bully Derek Jones Jr. like some other big wings do. Like I'd rather put uh, Derek Jones on guards. Like I think he's he's best against ones and twos, but. Paul George is just a gigantic two or maybe a three, depending on what kind of lineup they put out there. And and I think DJ is that's an okay matchup for him, and certainly probably a better matchup than like you know 40 minutes of Norman Powell and then like trying to steal some minutes with Anthony Simons on him I think that's that's the matchup there um if I had to sort of rank these guys which I want to do here I I would say like players I'm most confident in I would go with being playoff valuable playoff contributors I would I would probably go Derek Jones one Ronnie Hollis Jefferson two Nazir Little three that doesn't mean that I don't think Nazir Little's good like I think he has a path to being a good 
basketball player. It's just that I don't think he's like an elite lockdown defender right now. And when you're kind of, um, when they're going to break the glass on one of these guys, it's probably going to be for like specific defensive purposes. Nas doesn't bring a ton offensively. Like he can shoot and he can drive to the rim, but he doesn't sort of add um, enough juice offensively. He's probably the best offensive player of those three. Ronda Hellas Jefferson's basically a zero on offense. Derek Jones Jr. works the baseline pretty well, but he can't shoot and it makes it um, makes him a tricky fit. But I think Nas is the best of all those guys on offense, but his offense isn't good enough to warrant the consideration over the other two because of his defense. So I like um, against big wings um, and not like super big wings, but but ball handler types and perimeter oriented players, Derek Jones Jr. I would say he gets my sort of vote of confidence as, as in that role. But if the Blazers need to go small, it's none other than Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Like I think he's the, he's the option to go small. He's, he's, he just can't score, can't can't make free throws, uh, doesn't shoot and isn't a good shooter and doesn't shoot. Um, he's an okay passer, but that matters a lot less when you're not um, when people aren't guarding you as a scorer. Uh, but he's strong and athletic, and he plays really hard, and that motor allows him to be an effective small ball five. So if when you're when you're sort of thinking about who who could contribute in the future, I like Derek Jones if it's on the perimeter. I like Rondé Hollis Jefferson if it's uh, the need to go small and be switchy because I think I think Rondé can guard a bunch of different spots in in especially as like a switching uh, momentary defender. Like you're not going to put him on a point guard for 48 minutes, but you might put him in a pick and roll because you feel like he can guard five, he can guard the four and five, and then he can guard a one or a two who's whoever's running the pick and roll. And it allows you to switch and keep things in front and force guys to play isolation basketball, which is the whole reason that you would run more switching schemes. Um, I, I think he's the choice. Um, I, I like Nas as an energy guy. I like him maybe as um, as sort of like a spot contributor, but he's, for me, like I said, the offense isn't quite good enough to offset and he's not as good a defensive player as the other two. Early in the season, Derek Jones Jr. got every high usage, major high usage assignment. He wasn't super good at it, but he was competitive and he liked that role. Um, I think we've seen throughout the year, um, this season specifically, that he's not this elite lockdown defender. I do think he's one of the Blazers' better um defensive options but that's more like comparative than like sort of uh like larger contributions of Derek Jones relative to the rest of the league it's relative to his own teammates and I don't think they've got a lot of elite perimeter defenders on there but if it comes down to it and it certainly will because that's how the playoffs work and the Blazers might need to mix and match and try things I think having the ability to say Derek Jones can you give us seven minutes of quality defense in the second half and Ronnie Hollis Jefferson can you give us five or six minutes of good small ball basketball is, is really valuable. And then you've got Nazir Little sort of in the back of your mind as like, a, do we need a little energy? Do we need a little spark? Do we need some sort of, you know, just add, inject more athleticism into the into the offense? Like, I think all of them can, can contribute in their own ways, although I would rank, like I said, Rondé and Derek Jones as more valuable should, should the playoffs happen. Should should matchups need it? The playoffs are going to happen. Should should matchups uh, demand a sort of change of pace for what the Blazers are currently playing? Because, you know, Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony, I don't think Carmelo is going to get his minutes snipped. So it's really Ennis Cantor and Anthony Simons, uh, good offensive players, but can be exposed in certain uh, defensive matchups. Like, um, 
Cantor's just not a good defensive player. Simons is just not strong enough to guard a lot of um, a lot of opposing guards in in the NBA right now. So you might need these other options. You might need to go small with Rondé. You might need to have um, more defensive acumen on the perimeter with Derek Jones Jr. playing in, in in front of Anthony Simons. So the Blazers have these options. Um, I don't think these guys start in the rotation. I think they start almost certainly out of the rotation. Uh, Terry Stotts has leaned into this eight man group for a month now, and the Blazers have been really good with this eight man rotation. Like there's no reason it's worked he has he has gone into playoff mode and when they've been in playoff mode they've won but real playoff mode when you do play the same team uh you know five six seven times over to a two-week stretch like you're going to need different looks and you're going to need to try something new and i think both dj and ronde hollis jefferson give that blazers a chance to try something new all right for the third straight game and the final game of the regular season, it's the biggest game of the year. Sunday against the Denver Nuggets will determine whether the Blazers are headed to the playoffs as a sixth seed or headed to the play-in round as a seventh seed. We'll know who they play either in the playoffs or in the play-in round. Uh, I'll have a show for you sun- that'll post Sunday evening after the Nuggets game. Listen, I've been saying this a bunch. This it should be a lot of fun. This this week has lived up to the fun. I thought the Jazz game was really entertaining. I thought the Suns game was really entertaining uh, until the Blazers kind of puked puked up on their shirt in the final five seconds. But um, hey, you can't win them all. Uh, but the the Blazers really need to win Sunday. Going to be a huge one. Um, I'm I am uh, I, I'm excited for it. I hope you are too, and I hope you're listening. Uh, And I hope you're telling your friends to do the same. Tell them they can get this podcast wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.